Part 1. Lee's Early Life. Chapter 1. Introduction. The name of Lee is beloved and respected throughout the world. Men of all parties and opinions unite in this sentiment. Not only those who thought and fought with him, but those most violently opposed to his political views and career. It is natural that his own people should love and honor him as their great leader and defender in a struggle of intense bitterness. That his old enemies should share this profound regard and admiration is due solely to the character of the individual. His military genius will always be conceded, and his figure remain a conspicuous landmark in history. But this does not account for the fact that his very enemies love the man. His private character is the origin of this sentiment. The people of the North, no less than the people of the South, feel that Lee was truly great, and the harshest critic has been able to find nothing to detract from this view of him. The soldier was great, but the man himself was greater. No one was ever simpler, truer, or more honest. Those who knew him best loved him the most, reserved and silent with a bearing of almost austere dignity. He impressed many persons as cold and unsympathetic, and his true character was long in revealing itself to the world. Today all men know what his friends knew during his life and under the grave exterior of the soldier, oppressed with care and anxiety, beat a warm and kindly heart, full of an even extraordinary gentleness and sweetness, that the man himself was not cold or stiff or harsh, but patient, forbearing, charitable, under many trials of his equanimity, and magnanimous without effort, from the native impulse of his heart. Friend and foe thus today regard him with much the same sentiment as a genuinely honest man, incapable of duplicity in thought or deed, wholly good and secure, inspired always under all temptations by that Priscophides, which purifies and ennobles and resolutely bent, in the dark hour, as in the bright, on the full performance of his duty. Duty is the sublimest word in our language, he wrote to his son. And if we add that other august maxim, human virtue should be equal to human calamity, we shall have, in a few words, a summary of the principles which inspired Lee. The crowning grace of this man, who was thus not only great but good, was the humility and trust in God which lay at the foundation of his character. Upon this point we shall quote the words of a gentleman of commanding intellect, a bitter opponent of the South in the war. Lee is worthy of all praise as a man. He was fearless among men. As a soldier he had no superior and no equal. In the course of nature my career on earth may soon terminate. God grant that, when the day of my death shall come, I may look up to heaven with that confidence and faith which the life and character of Robert E. Lee gave him. He died trusting in God as a good man, with a good life and a pure conscience. He had lived as he died, with this supreme trust in an overruling and merciful providence, and this sentiment prevailing his whole being was the origin of that august calmness with which he greeted the most crushing disasters of his military career. His faith, 
and humble trust sustained him after the war, when the woes of the South well-nigh broke his great spirit, and he calmly expired as a weary child falls asleep, knowing that his father is near. Of this eminent soldier and man whose character offers so great an example, a memoir is attempted in this volume. The work will necessarily be popular rather than full and elaborate, as the public and private correspondence of Lee are not at this time accessible. These will throw a fuller light on the subject, but sufficient material is at the disposal of the writer to enable him to present an accurate likeness of Lee, and to narrate clearly the incidents of his career. In doing so, the aim of the author is to measure out full justice to all, not to arouse old enemies which should be allowed to slumber, but to treat his subject.